Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, December the 13th, 2022. It is currently 1059 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where I am afraid that in some ways I make things too complicated. I, 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 make, th- I, I make things convolute. I, I, I convolute everything. Things become convoluted because of my approach. Let, let me explain quickly. Obviously, I came up with this idea that I still think is a good idea. I haven't quite mastered it yet. I haven't quite figured it out yet. But I, I came up with this idea to do the Today's Focus podcast series. That is designed to turn on the microphone, to spend about 15 minutes or as close to 15 minutes as I can make it to say, hey, everyone, here is your focus for today. Because I know people are busy. They don't have time to listen to an, an, an hour long podcast. I can make it simple. I can make it easy. 15 minutes, give you one thing and it's great. That, that sounds wonderful. That sounds That's a great idea, I think. I think that's a great idea. But over and over again, <laughs> What happens is I do that 15-minute episode, right? I do that little 15, 20-minute episode saying, here is today's focus. And then immediately that today's focus then turns into a series. (laughs) That today's focus then turns into seven or eight other podcast episodes, right? That's no longer a part of that series. They're a part of a different series. So in some cases, people may start listening to this to say the separate series, but they missed all of the today's focus episodes. So then does does that make things convoluted? Does that convolute the situation? Does that confuse the situation? So should I should I not allow that to happen? But in other ways, that's the perfect example of what's supposed to happen, right? Hey, today's focus is this. Well, I'm not just saying today's focus is this for you. When I say this is today's focus, it's my, it's my focus as well. And if it becomes my focus as well, well, guess what's going to happen? Well, I I think you should know what's going to happen. What's going to happen is I'm going to be focusing on that throughout the day. And if I'm focusing it on, on focusing on that thing throughout the day, you know, then at some point I'm going to turn on the microphone to talk about what I've been focusing on. But does that, does that make everything convoluted and confused? Right. Wait a minute. I'm listening to this series on, you know, practicing the presence of God. Yes. But the series actually started on the today's focus podcast episode. Did you hear those episodes? Well, no. Okay. Well, then you missed the whole origin of how we got to that series. Hey, I was listening. Hey, I'm listening to your discussion on testing spiritual growth. Yeah. But the series actually started (laughs) on the today's focus podcast series. Did you listen to that? You see how that can be convoluted? I, oh, now I'm, I'm having a crisis here. Now, now I don't know what to do. Now I don't know what to do. I, I still have to, I still am convinced that the today's focus idea is a good one. It has to be preserved. It has to be, it, it has to be there. I, you can tell me, does it, does the whole thing become convoluted and confusing to you? Well, well, okay. You're, you did a today's focus on this, but then you started talking about it over here and it became its own separate series. So like, I, I, to me, it, 
I guess on the, on the normal podcasting app, on the normal podcasting app, everything's just in chronological order, right? So you, you just go back and you're like, okay, I'm going to start here and then work my way up. Then everything's going to be in proper order. If you're listening on the Church One app or the Sermons 2.0 app, then you may be looking at the different series. And the chronological order is not clearly delineated. It's not clearly seen. So then does that become confusing? I, I don't know. But see, that's, that's the, the different apps present different. Your, your content is presented in a different way. I try so many different things. I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted, but I say all of that. That's really just me thinking out loud. You just got a chance to listen into my thinking for free. So you should count yourself lucky. And I don't like the word lucky. You should consider yourself blessed and fortunate that you got that opportunity to listen to me think out loud. So aren't you, aren't you? I know you're not very, you don't feel very blessed by that. But yes, that's what I'm struggling with. So I need your help. What should I do? How should I structure this? To me, I love it. Right. Hey, here's today's focus. All right, man, that was that was good. All right. Then I walk back downstairs. And I'm, oh, well, what about this? And what about this? And OK, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take that focus. And now it's going to lead to something else. That's supposed to be the natural way it works. That's the way I envision it working in your life. Hey, today. Hey, today's focus was this. And then you're you know, you hear that, say, at 10 a.m. And then you're at lunch somewhere going, man, today today's focus, that podcast uh, series they they mention this, and I've been thinking about it all day. What do you guys think? And it leads to conversations and discussions. Maybe that's being too optimistic and too naive, thinking it's going to work that way. But that's the way I envision it. So I say all of that to say this. This discussion on spiritual growth started on the Today's Focus podcast series. And it all started because at two in the morning, I heard a about five or oh, about 10, maybe 15 seconds of the podcast In Touch by Charles Stanley. It's a radio program slash podcast. Everything's a podcast today. So I'll just call it a podcast. Uh, the In Touch Charles Stanley podcast. And he was talking about testing our spiritual growth. Now, I use that to kind of raise some questions about spiritual growth and get us thinking about spiritual growth for the today's focus, which then led me to decide to review the entire podcast episode by Charles Stanley, and we entitled that Testing Spiritual Growth Part 1. Well, he ended that that particular episode that we reviewed with really just giving us a couple of things about spiritual growth, but he had a part two. So someone emailed me and said, they're looking forward to the next episode. So I'm like, okay, now they, they, I think they were more talking about just the next episode of the, of the uh, theology central podcast in general, but I took it as well, they, I, I, I'm going to just assume that they want to hear me review part two of Charles Stanley because, well, I want to review it. So I, I, I blamed them. Reality, I'm just blaming myself. But I want to listen to what else he has to say in regards to spiritual growth. Because we, 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 what we have done, if you think about it, and, and, I, and, I, and I always explain church history this way. Church history is a big ball of yarn, right? It's just all wrapped together. 
And when you start studying church history, you have to try to pull it apart and try to understand this section and this section and this section. Some people think church history is just some clear straight line, right? You pick your, your we're Baptist. Okay, we start here and it's just a straight line. And all, almost everybody wants to say, we go back to the apostles. We go back to Jesus, right? So, so everybody, but it's never a straight line. It's all convoluted and mixed together. And it's, uh, and you have to just kind of pull it apart. Well, spiritual growth, I think, is just all a convoluted concept, and we have to try to pull each section apart and see if we can understand it, and we're being left with more questions than we are answers. But I do believe using Charles Stanley's podcast is just a good place to start, right? It's like, let's just start with what he has to say, and we will build and ask questions in regards to it. So that's what we're going to do. I know that took eight minutes to get here, but I am a little conflicted on how to structure everything. So I will, I will keep working on a better way to do this podcast. And if you have any great ideas, I'd love to hear it. But I, I kind of like the idea. Hey, today's focus was this. Now look, he's done four hours on that topic. Now you could argue, well, why even do a today's focus? Because the today's focus is to try to say when you're too busy, I'm at least, that even if you don't hear the rest of the stuff I talk about, you still walk away with, Okay, he gave me some questions about spiritual growth. He gave me 2 Peter 1, 3 today to, to work on. Like, you still get something. So I, I, I still think it has value. Or maybe I'm just trying to convince myself. You, you, can, you can tell me I'm wrong, all right? But before we get there, I've got a pencil in my hand right here. Got a pencil. Got a pencil. I'm ready. I have to have a pencil in my head. Remember, this, this is how we do our reviews. If you're new to the program, this is how we do our reviews. I do not listen to them in advance, right? Because then this becomes a this becomes a very a produced program. It's all rehearsed. It's like, oh, I'm going to say this at this. No, 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 no. Whenever I have an audio, we're going to review it. We review it in real time together. The idea is that we are sitting down together and we're listening to something together and then talking about it. That sometimes that's great. Sometimes that's bad because sometimes I get caught off guard and I'm like, what in the world do I do with this? Sometimes I'm left at the end going, I don't even know why we wasted our time with that. But it's always unpredictable and therefore I hope that it's fun and beneficial and educational, right? So I know that this is part two of Charles Stanley looking at testing our spiritual growth. We're just going to, I'm not going to review everything he said in the last episode. You can go back and listen to Testing Your Spiritual Growth Part 1, wherever you get podcasts from, or on the Church One app, which makes it easier to keep up with the individual series. But we'll, we'll see where this is going to go. I, I'm, I'm curious, and so I hope you're ready. Got a Bible, got a notebook. Let's review. Charles Stanley, tell us how we're supposed to test our spiritual growth. Let's see if we agree or disagree, and let's see all the problems that may arise from this. Here we go. We begin right now. How do we grow? Desire the sincere milk of the Word. If you have no real desire to read the Bible, if you have no real strong desire to understand it, to follow it, you are not growing in your relationship to Christ. Friend, I don't care how many Sunday school classes you teach or what you do and how much you give. If you do not have a desire for the Word of God, a desire to know the ways of God, and getting in the Word, then you're not growing in your spiritual life. And you're not stagnant. You're drifting backwards. Oh, oh boy. 
You talk about coming out the gate hot. You talk about coming out of the gate with some fire that's going to cause us problems and mental meltdown. This right, right here, this is such, this is standard preaching on spiritual growth, right? Hey, how do you grow spiritually? It's the word of God. As a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Your growth is dependent upon your desire for the word of God. You don't desire the word of God, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, it's not that you're stagnant, you're going backwards in your spiritual life. You're regressing, you're going in reverse. In fact, you may even demonstrate that you're not saved. And so this becomes very much a works-based system. And what's the work that determines your salvation? Your desire for God's word. What's the work that will determine if you grow spiritually? Your desire for God's word. Now, yes, as a newborn babe, we should desire the milk of God's word. But let's be painfully honest with this. Every statistic you can find shows that people who attend church on a regular basis, we're talking churchgoers. People who attend church on a regular basis spend very little time Monday through Saturday. In other words, outside of church, they spend very little time outside of church in any meaningful Bible reading and even less meaningful Bible study. Christians talk about how great the word of God is. They praise it. They talk. It's the infallible and errant word of God. And you should not deny it. You should not mock it. I mean, we get well, we, we, we get all fired up about the word of God. But the reality is Christians are not reading it. They're not studying it. They're not memorizing it. And we're, we've reached it. We passed. We're past a, a tragic situation. We're, we're in a full-blown disaster when it comes to biblical illiteracy amongst the people who attend church. So guess what? If spiritual growth is determined by your desire for God's word, we, we've got a problem. We have a problem. Now, this is where it gets convoluted. Listen to me. Typically, spiritual growth, and we do, we heard this on today's focus. If you listen to the today to today's focus podcast episode from this morning, you heard this. You see how all of these things fit together. All right, listen to me. Spiritual growth is almost always spoken of in terms like this. Look. God is the one who will help you grow. God is the one who gives you the power to grow. God is the one working in your life to grow, right? He's the one who's changing. It's all God. God is working. God is doing this. Now, yes, you may have a part in it, but God's giving you the power. God's giving you the ability. God is helping you. God, 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 God is doing all of these things. And that sounds so good. But then we turn around and say, your desire for the word of God is the key to spiritual growth. Okay, sounds great. Now put the two together. Well, then why doesn't God give more Christians a desire for the word of God? Now, the typical answer is, well, these people who don't desire are not saved. So now you're saying that a requirement for salvation is a desire for God's word. You say, well, no, it's not a requirement for salvation, but it's proof of salvation. Yeah, meaning if I don't do it, well, then I'm not saved, meaning it's a requirement for salvation. Okay, you, you can play all of the semantic games, but that's exactly where you end up. So how do we how do we how do we approach this subject that spiritual growth? That basically, I mean, I, I, I this is he's making this basically a test for your spiritual growth is that you will desire the word of God. Now, what is it about people not desiring the word of God? Now, I want you to listen to me carefully because this is very, very, very important. 
right? And we're about, we're about to get into a really deep issue here. So listen to me carefully. Some people have a strong desire for God's word. So they can pat themselves on the back saying, look, I'm growing spiritually. I'm proving I'm saved. I have this desire for the word of God. I read it. I study it. I memorize it. I'm working on it all the time. I love holding it. I love it. I love smelling the pages. I love trying to figure it out. I love trying to take a notebook and and trying to expound it and exegete it and looking up the Greek and looking up the Hebrew and looking up commentaries and looking at this and and trying to map it all out and whatever. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And then you have someone else who's like, oh, man, I don't, I know, I don't want to read. I don't want to study. I don't want a notebook. I don't want a pencil. I don't want Bible study methods. I don't want any part of it. And so that person who doesn't want any part of it will be viewed as the unspiritual, ungodly one who's not growing spiritually. And the one who loves it, desires it, and reads it will be seen as the one who is spiritually growing. But I'm going to throw something out here that may mess up our entire, this is why it's so almost impossible to measure or test spiritual growth. Listen to me carefully. There's a lot of people who love the word of God to read it and to study it and to memorize it and to meditate on it. But you know what? That has very little to do with their spirituality. It has very little to do with their spiritual growth. It's it's something built into their natural personality. This is a fleshly thing. I'll just, I'm going to just use me as an example. I love to study the Word of God. I love to have notebooks and pencils. I love writing things down. I like using Bible study methods. I like trying to exegete it. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. But you know what else I love to do? I love to do that exact same thing basically to everything. I lo- when, when watching movies, I have a notebook and I like to try to figure out, okay, what's the message here and why did they do this? And, th- and I'm trying to figure it out and expound upon it and understand it and interpret it. When I'm listening to music, I love expounding and trying to interpret the way the music is put together, the production. Why did they do this? Why is that instrument to the right channel and not on the left channel? Why is the vocals here? That's interesting. Okay. Oh, I like, oh, what, okay. What instrument's making that? What did they do to make that sound? What are they sampling? On and on. And then the lyrics. What are they saying here? Why did they say it here? I'm breaking it all down. It doesn't matter if it's a novel, if it's a comic book. It doesn't matter. I'm exp- I'm trying to understand it and study it. If I wa- if I see a book, if I see a magazine article, I'm going to stop and pick it up and start just start reading it. it doesn't matter what it is because I'm curious and I want to know and I want to understand and I want to figure it out. Now, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that, that that's a part of my fleshly makeup. So that just trans, that transitions easily over to my Christian life, right? So that doesn't demonstrate anything about my spirituality. It does not prove spiritual growth in any way, shape, or form. It just proves that the way, the way I am about everything transitioned very well into Christianity. Isn't it great that I entered into a religion that is based, well, that its authority happens to be a book with words in it that requires reading and interpretation and analysis and that it's connected to things like hermeneutics. It's connected to things like systematic theology. It's connected to things like church history. All of those topics, all of those subjects are just like ready made for me. Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm right there, but it has nothing to do with me being spiritual. That's all just my natural makeup. So I could pat myself on the back going, I'm more spiritual than you. I read more than you. I study more than you. I understand more than you. I know more than you. 
but it really wouldn't be. So you have someone else, their natural inclination, their natural makeup is they've never read anything. They don't read books. They don't study books. For them, the idea of sitting down watching a movie with a notebook and taking notes or analyzing music or analyzing some novel, they that's not in them at all. That's not their in their natural makeup. They have no desire for that. They don't reading to them is almost basically like being t- captured by a terrorist and waterboarded. It's like something evil for them. So how do how do we understand this? Because Charles Stanley just said, "Hey, you don't desire the word of God. You're not growing. Your desire that's that's the well. What do you do for the people who then don't desire it?" You say, well, they're not spiritual, but maybe it's just their natural makeup. And, and so how do we understand that? Because typically the people, and you can ask yourself this, typically the people I've seen who just have a hunger and desire to read and to study, you see that kind of in just, that's their natural personality. And it shows up in a hundred different areas of their life. Now, yes, as a newborn babe, we should desire the sincere milk of the word. Absolutely, the word of God is central to spiritual growth. There's just no way to get around it. There is no spiritual growth apart from God's word. It's, it, it, it's literally connected to it. There's no way around it. I, I completely am agreement with it. Don't think I'm not agreeing with that. I'm just saying then, but when we try to measure our spiritual growth on, on the basis of this, I just want you to realize there's a whole concept there. Like, I can't base my spiritual growth based off my desire for it because my my fleshly nature will just, dis- oh, it's a book. I'm going to read it. I'm going to figure it out. I don't, need, I don't need anything spiritual. There's nothing spiritual going on there. There's nothing spiritual going on. That, that, that raises serious questions in how we measure it. That raises serious questions. So many times, what we perceive as some great spiritual achievement in our life, this is very important. Sometimes what we perceive to be great spiritual growth, what we perceive to be some great spiritual victory, some great spiritual success has nothing to do with us being spiritual. It's just a part of our fleshly natural makeup that it's just a, it's just something that we do in our flesh. We, there's nothing spiritual about it. How many suppose, I wonder how many times you've looked at what's supposedly a spiritual growth or spiritual victory in your life and you, you get excited about it and you celebrate it, but all it is, is just an example of your fleshly natural nature. And it has nothing to do with anything about God or, or Christianity or anything spiritual. Yeah, that, that's important. Okay, we're going to back that up and listen to this again. All right, here we go. How do we grow? Desire the sincere milk of the Word. If you have no real desire to read the Bible, if you have no real strong desire to understand it, to follow it, you are not growing in your relationship to Christ. Friend, I don't care how many Sunday school classes you teach or what you do and how much you give. If you do not have a desire for the Word of God, a desire to know the ways of God, and getting in the Word, then you're not growing in your spiritual life. And you're not stagnant. You're drifting backwards 
away from the things of God. If you're a Christian, are you actively pursuing your relationship with God? Or has complacency caused you to drift? Today's message on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley, challenges believers to assess where they are on their spiritual journey. Evaluate your progress with this objective look as you listen to part two of Testing Our Spiritual Growth. Okay, and I'll just add one more thing to everything I've already said on this point. I know we've only made it like, you know, one minute into this, and we've already, we've been on the air 24 minutes, and we've reviewed one minute of audio, okay? So we really, we're not making great progress, but that's okay. This is important. I'm going to just add this to my previous points that I've made, all right? Here, so listen to me carefully. Can, or, or how, how, let me, how would I phrase this? What? is the catalyst? What is the thing that truly will produce a desire for God's word into someone who doesn't naturally have it? Now, there'll be someone out there who'll say, look, I never desired to read. I never desired to study, but I became a Christian and boom, it magically showed up. Maybe I'm not going to discount anyone who says that, but what I have seen throughout all of my years of being a Christian is there's just, you can just see how it just naturally plays itself out, right? Here's the person who never likes to read, never likes to study, doesn't like notebooks, don't like Bible study methods. And guess what? They've been saved 10, 15 years and nothing changes. They still don't like it. They still don't do it. And they're unwilling to do it. And they're unwilling to participate. You can't, what? I, and th this raises all the questions about supposedly, you know, God doing these certain things in us because, well, then why God would just give everyone, an, why wouldn't God just give everyone an equal desire for God's word? I mean, the first, the first thing, if, if, if the scriptures are absolutely essential to spiritual growth, the very first thing God would do, you would think, was give everyone an equal desire for it. Everyone would have a hunger and a desire for God's word, and it would be equal across the board. Now, I know what someone's going to email me and say, but those people who don't desire it aren't saved. And once again, you're going to start making salvation based off what we do or don't do instead of what Christ did, and that, that, that just raises a million problems. We won't go into all of that. But I'm just curious, what, what actually will produce? a desire for the word of God in someone. Now, now, Second Peter, or Peter seems to imply that as a newborn babe desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word, is he simply describing what should be the case? Or is he describing what, like, hey, this is how it should work. Or is he saying that, hey, you've got to make sure that you desire it. It seems that the way his illustration is, it should be the natural thing. But it's clearly not the natural thing in the life of most believers. I mean, the statistics are overwhelming. Even inside the church, they give so much lip service to the word of God. Again, I've talked about it. If something's going to be canceled for fun, food, activity, fellowship, for anything, what always gets canceled is the preaching and teaching of God's word. It's always the preaching that gets canceled. Always the preaching. We go after the very, which demonstrates that we love the other stuff more. People say, well, that's not fair. It is fair. So I don't know. How do you give people a desire? I, that, that, that's the million dollar question. How can I look at people and say, look, here, this is the word of God. Desire it. Love it. Pursue it. But no, 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 no. You get a, just an apathetic shrug their shoulders like, eh, whatever. I, I, I'm not going to really do the work. I'm not really going to study it. I think people love the idea of the Bible. I think people love the concept, 
theoretically, of God giving us his word, infallible, preserved, inerrant. They love the concept. But then to say, man, okay, God's given me his revelation in written form. And that means I got to read it, and I got to study it, and I got to try to interpret it, and I got to try to understand it, I got to analyze it. And I need Bible study methods to engage it. I need to know hermeneutical concepts. But no, there's just something is broken there. God does not work in the very same way in everybody's life. He does not work in the very same way at the very same time in everybody's life. But as we go along in the Christian life, one of the one of the ways that I can evaluate whether I'm growing or not. Okay, that's an that you wow. We need to stop right there. That, that that's a two hour discussion. Now now because this raises so many questions. So God does not work the same way in everyone's life, and He does not work at the same time. So. No, no, now he, he doesn't explain really, he's not, he doesn't go into any great detail, or at least he hasn't yet. I mean, I know I cut him off. Maybe he'll go into some great explanation here to help me understand this, but just write down that concept. God does not work the same way in everyone's life, and he doesn't work at the same time. Just write those concepts down, and I want you to just meditate on that. What are, what are the implications of that? Okay, well, here's, here's so-and-so, right? They're, they're, they're saved. But they're in this sin, they're struggling this, they don't do this, they don't do that, they have this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. Now, what we typically do in, in the American evangelicalism, well, they're probably not saved. Well, they're probably not saved. We immediately want to throw them out of the body of Christ, say they're not saved, because we, we, we're always quick to do that. But what if, if it's true that God doesn't work the same way in everyone's life, well, the reason they're that way is because God hasn't worked in their life yet. So do we hold them responsible or do we blame God? <laughs> this, is a good, this is a very important theological question. It has practical ramifications. You know someone, you're like, man, their Christian life is a mess. Well, God hasn't worked in their life. He, remember, he doesn't work the same way in everyone's life and he doesn't work at the, uh, at the same time. So, you know. That's God's fault. Well, now we would never say that. We would blame the person. But if you can't, if if everything in your spiritual life is determined by God's working in you and through you, then you can't blame the person. So is it the person or is it God? Is by this list of things that I think God gave me to check up on myself. So I want to ask you to get a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper and write them down. And I'm going to say them uh, very precisely so that uh, there will be no commentary until the statement is made. And then I'll make comment on each one of them. But what we're talking about now is how do I evaluate my spiritual growth? And so I want to begin by uh, making this statement at the beginning of each one of them. We know we are growing in our relationship to Christ when? And then I want to answer that when. We know that we're growing in our relationship to Christ when, and so if you have a pen and paper, let's begin. We know that we're growing in our relationship uh, to Christ when we are becoming increasingly aware of our sinfulness and our weaknesses. Okay, now, uh, he talked about this in the last episode that we reviewed in part one, so I'm not going to go back through this. I do agree 
that spiritual growth is when we become more sensitive to sin. We see ourselves. In fact, I'm going to back that up so that we can hear it again. I don't want to, I don't want to misquote him. Here we go. Let's listen to it one more time. Increasingly aware of our sinfulness and our weaknesses. When we are becoming increasingly when we become increasingly more aware of our sinfulness and our weakness, that spiritual growth, one of the signs of spiritual growth is when we become increasingly more aware of our sinfulness and our weakness. I am in agreement with this in a lot of ways, and here's the reason why. Spiritual growth, if we understand spiritual growth, now he defines spiritual growth more, and we, we gave a different definition for today's focus, but he, he likens spiritual growth as about a relationship. So it's growing in that relationship. Well, I will know this. If spiritual growth means I'm growing towards God, I'm moving towards God in whatever way we want to understand it. God is the source. God is the light. God is the standard of, of righteousness and of holiness and of truth. The closer I get to that, the, the more I step into that light, the closer I get to him, the closer I get to that standard, the more obvious my sin and my weakness will become. As we, as uh, again, paraphrasing Calvin, when we see God as he truly is, the closer I get to him, the more I see him as he truly is. The more I see God as he is, then what I am, I see myself as I truly am. I see, I see myself as I truly am when I see God as he truly is. When I see God as he is, then I see myself as I really am, as I, as the reality of myself becomes clear. When I see God as he is, we see ourselves as we truly are, right? We, we will never see ourselves correctly. We never see ourselves accurately when we are further away from God. The closer we get to God, the more we'll see our sin and our weaknesses. Now, this is important. This is important. The, the, the closer you get to God, the more you grow spiritually, the more you see God as he is, so then you'll see yourself as you truly are. Right? Does that make sense? Now listen to me. If you're if, when you're not moving closer to God, when you're not growing spiritually, you have a tendency to see, focus, and talk about everyone else's sinfulness and weaknesses. See, the closer you get to God, the more you'll see your sin and weaknesses. The further, in a sense, the way you are from God you'll be quicker to see other people's sin and other people's weaknesses. See, when, when you get close to God and you see him as he, as he is, you'll see yourself as you are. When you're far further from God and you don't see God as he is, then you have a tendency to see how everyone else should be and you judge everyone, talk about everyone, gossip about everyone, slander everyone, and condemn everyone else. Does that make sense? See, when you... When you are further from God, then, then the standard may be you, and you'll judge anyone who doesn't live up to your standard. When you get closer to God, your standard burns up because you're now in the presence of the standard. When you see God as he is, you'll see yourself as you are. If you don't see God as he is, you'll see everyone else in light of your, you become the standard and you judge and you condemn and you gossip and you talk about them and you just have all these strong opinions about everyone else. That doesn't prove you're godly. So I, I, I think that this is an important concept. Yeah, if you want to call it spiritual growth, but I think we, we, we have to be growing closer to God. We, and we grow closer to God in our reading about him, studying. The more we study and grow closer to God, what it should lead to is an awareness of who he is 
and then an absolute startling realization of what we are and what we are is weak and sinful. Increasingly aware of our sinfulness and our weaknesses. Things that we think, well, I can handle that and I can handle this. One of the signs of our spiritual growth is, God, I'm going to have to trust you. I'm totally relying upon you. That is not a sign of weakness. It's ultimately a sign of strength. But it is an awareness of our weaknesses and our inadequacies. So I want to encourage you to evaluate that one. Secondly, we are growing in our relationship with Christ when our response to sin is quick and followed by genuine repentance. When our response to sin in our life is quick and it is followed by genuine repentance. I don't mean by, Lord, now you know we're not perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. God, I know I sin. No. Genuine repentance. God, I genuinely repent of that. I turn away from that. I don't want that in my life. And I choose not to have that in my life. I talked about some of the possible problems with this one. This one sounds good, but the problem is... We reduce sin to like certain actions, right? Hey, hey, when, when I grow spiritually, I'm going to be, I'm going to be aware of that sin and I immediately am going to, to, to be convicted by it and immediately going to repent of it. But it, it basically reduces sin to certain actions. Look, you sin 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I, I don't know exactly how this is supposed to play out in a practical way. I'm aware of that sin. And I'm going to repent of that. Say, well, what about all the other sins? Because there's, I mean, your life is just filled with sin every single day. So how do we understand that? We won't go back through all of that. You can go back and listen to the last episode. Genuine repentance means a turning about in my spirit, in my life, in my conduct, that there will be a difference. Number three, we know that we're growing in our relationship with Christ when our spiritual battles are becoming more fierce and yet we are still rejoicing. As you and I grow in our relationship to Christ and become more and more conformed to Him, what does Satan do? He intensifies the battle. He intensifies his attacks because he knows he can't do anything to your spirit, your soul. That is, you're going to heaven. That's a settled issue. But he can cause a lot of damage while you're living here. Wreck and ruin your testimony, cause you a lot of heartache. But see, one of the ways that you and I Okay, so this one becomes a little bit baffling to me. All right, so the more I grow spiritually, then the, the perception goes something like this. So Satan is, I don't know where Satan is at. He's hanging out somewhere, right? He's hanging out somewhere, probably Indiana, Michigan, you know, some horrible state, okay? He's obviously not in Texas, but but he's he's in some horrible state. And he's hanging out, right? And I know I'm being a little bit facetious here, but but this is really the way Christians kind of describe it, whether they're intending to do this or not. Satan is somewhere doing something. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know, red alert, red alert, red alert, red alert. We have a person here in Texas. He's, he's growing spiritually. Okay. Then Satan's like, all right, he either calls for demons. I don't know what he does. He sends a full blown an attack to now make my spiritual battles even more difficult, more difficult because I'm growing spiritually. Now, first of all, let's just remind ourselves of a couple of facts. Number one, Satan is not omnipresent. Number two, Satan is not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. He's, he, he's not, so he's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. In other words, he's not present everywhere at the same time. He's not all-knowing, and he's not all-powerful. 
Now, sometimes Christians seem to forget this because so many times we almost attribute to Satan godlike attributes. Because the concept is when you're when you're growing spiritually, wherever you live, like here I am in Texas in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, ding, 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 red alert, red alert, red alert. Satan knows. Satan knows. He's 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 growing spiritually. Okay, I've got to attack. I gotta attack. Well, how did he know this? Was he present? And then if he's over here messing with me, he, is he, no, does he send demons? It's a really interesting way of looking at, at, the, at, at the spiritual life that, that, that Satan is keeping track. Okay, look, this guy is complete garbage. He's not growing spiritually, so everyone stay away from him. Like, they, they, do they have a morning briefing? Well, you know, like a morning briefing? Like I, I, I used to in security forces when we met in the armory and we, you know, guard mount. And we had our weapons and, okay, here's your post you're going to today. Does, does Satan have a meeting every morning? I'm like, here's the chart. These people over here are growing spiritually. We need a full-blown attack. Over here, we're not. And you say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not the one who's describing this scenario. He is. How does this work? Now, and then think about, think about the implications of this. Think about the implications of this. Because the implications would be this. All right, here I am. I'm growing spiritually. Now I find myself in some great battle, right? And because Satan is trying to destroy me. So let's say I stumble and stay and say I fall. Well, what, I mean, can't I say, hey, guys, guys, yeah, I fell. Hey, guys, yeah, I stumbled. Hey, guys, I fell into sin. But let's understand the reason why. It's because I was being attacked far more severely than you were because I was growing spiritually. See, you were trash I was growing spiritually, so Satan attacked me. So, I mean, come on, cut me some slack. If I was, if I was trash like you are, I wouldn't be having these attacks. I mean, like, if, if you think about the logical ramifications of that, hey, don't grow spiritually <laughs> because you'll be attacked more ferociously by Satan. Now, you say, well, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't think of it that way. Well, well how should I think about it? Okay, oh, look, I'm going to grow spiritually, but when I get attacked and fall, everyone back off. Because it demonstrates that I was growing spiritually. I, 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 okay, I'm going to back that up just a second. It, it, man, these, these things raise so many questions in my mind. Okay, and again, just note that a lot of these concepts he's put forth in this sermon, he, uh, He's not giving us scriptures really to back it up. It's really just his kind of like his understanding of how it all works. But he can cause a lot of damage while you're living here. Wreck and ruin your testimony, cause you a lot of heartache. But see, one of the ways that you and I know we're growing in our relationship to him is when the battles become more and more fierce, and yet you and I are able to rejoice even in the fierceness of those spiritual battles. Well, let's move on. Number four. We know that we're growing in our relationship to Him when we begin to see trials and temptations as opportunities for growth. When we begin to see trials and temptations as opportunities for growth. Because if you want to meet a real saint, if you want to meet somebody who's strong in the Lord, you want to meet somebody who has great faith, and you want to meet somebody who can stand the battles of life, you show me somebody who has been tried, tempted, tested, beaten up upon in every way possible. And I'll show you someone who has come through the difficulties and hardships, and it is coming through those things that makes us strong and mighty in spirit. So if we're going to grow in our relationship to him, 
then my friend, we'll begin to see these trials and temptations as opportunities for growth and not complain. Well, number five. I, I, I do believe, well, let's, let's say, I will state it this way. I do believe spiritual growth, or, or, or I guess so-called an, an evidence of spiritual growth, would be we do perceive things differently. We do see things differently, right? In other words, we see things from a biblical perspective instead of a fleshly or earthly perspective. I, 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 do, I do agree with that. In other words, I'm going to look at a situation and I'm going to try to view it from a biblical perspective because I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm trying to learn to see things from a, a, a biblical perspective instead of my own fleshly, earthly perspective. I do believe there's a change of perspective. So we may see trials, we may see temptation, we may see difficulty differently because of spiritual growth. I, I will agree to that in, to some degree. We are growing in our relationship to him when we begin to view service to him as a high honor and not as a burden. When we are able to view our service for him as a high honor and not a burden. When I hear people say, oh, I've got to go to church and I've got to teach this and I've got to lead this group and I've got to usher or I've got to sing in the choir or I've got to do this, I've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, then something's wrong. But thank God that you've been saved. Thank God that you have the wonderful privilege of serving the Lord God. Does that mean that sometimes you don't feel the weight and the heartache of it all? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that ultimately we count it an honor to serve God. And the burdens and the hardships that go with that, it's okay. It's okay because the Lord is worthy of our service and worthy of our honor. Well, we know that we're growing in the Lord again, uh, growing in our relationship to Him, when we are able to view everything that comes our way as being from God. When we're able to view everything that comes our way as being from God. He's breaking these down into individual parts, but I, I, I will agree, just in the general principle, the more you grow as a Christian, the more your perception of things change to a biblical perspective versus a fleshly, earthly, carnal perspective. I do believe that. I, I'm in agreement here. He's breaking these down individually, but I, I can at least agree with that much. All right, let, let's continue. And I think this is very important in a person's spiritual growth. I know I'm growing when I can view everything in my life as coming from God. That means the good and it means the bad. I went through a real difficult time in my own personal life uh, when I could have ended up being bitter and resentful and hostile and angry and probably no longer used of God. But God just showed me on my face back in the prayer room one day the key to walking through this victoriously and the key to triumphing over this is simply this. You look at every single thing that happens is coming from me. And I remember thinking, but God, it's not coming from you. So, yes, it is. You view it as coming from me. It couldn't happen unless I allowed it. Am I not sovereign? Do I not have the key to the gate of your life? Am I not the one who unlocks it and locks it? Am I not your protector and the sovereign? Yes. You see everything from me. If you will see everything from me, no matter what happens and through whom and how it happens, you're going to be able to see it from me and you are knowing that I am going to turn it out to good. Romans 8, 28 works all the time. Lord, now here's what you said, and I believe it. I don't feel it today, but I'm going to take it your word that all these things that... 
Now, the Romans 8.28 passage, if you'll go back and look at our Bible study, see how all of this all comes together. The Romans 8.28 passage, we discussed in great detail in our series, our Bible study exercise series on the subject of fear. All right. And we, and I looked at Romans 8, 28 and following in great detail, demonstrating that all things work together for good, but the good there is our salvation. The good there is our ultimate salvation. That's the reference there, not the way some people preach, like, oh, well, now everything's going to work out good in my life. No, it's, it's good in my salvation. And, and we, we looked at that in great detail. You can go listen to that. But for now, we'll continue are happening to me are turning out for my good and for your glory. I know that I'm growing in him when I'm able to see everything is coming from him. Well, number seven, we know that we're growing in our relationship with him when we sense that our faith is growing stronger, when it takes more and more to ruffle us. When tests that come our way, we can face them confident and boldly, whereas six months ago or a year ago, we could not have. When our faith level rises and we're getting stronger in our faith and we're able to trust him for more and in more and in the midst of more, we're able to rest in him. We're able to talk to him with confidence and assurance and boldness. He has everything under control. We're not fretting and fuming over things we used to fret and fume over. Why? Because we know that it is his schedule and our life is based upon what he's doing and not what we are doing for ourselves. Well, we know that we're growing in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, number eight, when we desire to spend more time in genuine praise and worship. One of the ways that I know I'm growing in my relationship to him is I want to praise him. I want to love him. I want to express it. I'd love to put my arms around him and hug him close and tell him that I love him and thank him for all the good things he sends in my life and even the bad that he's so sovereign he can turn them into something good. Number nine, we know that we're growing in our relationship with him When our desire to obey him is becoming more intense and sin is less and less attractive to us, one of the basic, solid, foundational... Now, he's he's just throwing a lot of things out here, and we could try to break down each point, uh, which could turn this series into a never-ending series. I want you to just hear it, but you can kind of get the feeling that, you know, once again, your spiritual growth is determined by what you do and by what you don't do. By Basically, here's a list of rules. And if you do this, you're growing. If you're not, you're not growing. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Very law-based, very law-based, uh, which you can, again, our series on law and gospel, it fits with that. Um, and again, these are so subjective, Right? So, so you, your faith grows. Well, what, what about, so if my faith grows, so then if I'm spiritually growing, then I, I'm, I'm not going to have doubts or, or, or times of, I like, I like, how do I measure that? Right? What I, I'm going to desire to spend time in praise and worship. So the minute I don't, like it, it, it just, it just seems to create that. It seems that it could create a situation where you have to do a lot of pretending than maybe being honest. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're going to obviously fall short in all of these things. Yeah, I don't. I just I think it can become very subjective in how we we view these things. I think it's important to constantly be trying to see where we are in our spiritual life, but. It, 
it can just become so like exactly how am I measuring this, right? Because I think if you if you measure it, I don't. I, I guess there's nothing wrong with measuring it and realizing you're falling short. I guess what you have to just realize is that all of this basically becomes laws that you're always going to fall short of. So your only hope is obviously the gospel and what Christ has done for you. I do understand we still want to measure how we're growing spiritually. So trying to find a correct balance here, I think, is important evidences that you and I are growing in our relationship to Christ is the intensity with which we feel this desire to be obedient to Him, to follow Him, to do exactly what He wants us to do, no less and no more. And that our attraction to the world and the appeal of the world is becoming less and less and a desire to be obedient to Him becomes more and more. Sam, but again, I mean, how does this... Hey, if you're growing spiritually, you're basically going to want to obey more and you're not going to be attracted to the world. And, and it's just and it's going to become less and less and less and less and less. Well, I, I, at what point then do you just the only thing you desire is obedience and you have no desire for the things of the world? Like where at, at if if this is the na- if this is the natural way it's supposed to progress, then again, you're you're fast approaching that that Christian that almost perfectionism as possible. Right. Hey, and people say, well, no, 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 you're not going to be perfect. Okay, well, how, at, at what point does the, does it become a tipping point? My desire is for nothing but obedience, and I do not desire, I had, I've lost complete desire and complete attraction to the world. At some point, it, you've got to reach a tipping point where you're close to perfection, right? And, and again, if you say God is the one who does this, you 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 realize you walk right back into a logical problem, right? If God is the one who now gives you the desire to obey and takes the desire from the world from you, and if God is the one who does it, well, anyone who doesn't have that desire, well, then it's God's fault. It's not their fault. And so, and if and if God is the one doing it, why doesn't He give everyone that desire? So then, then nobody would ever want the world, or everybody nobody would want sin anymore, because the only thing they would desire is obedience. Uh Okay, this is good. Uh, someone uh, just uh, posted in the chat on the Spreaker app. I do think a lot of these things come naturally with experience with life. Example, feeling less uh, f- fretted with things uh, ago badly can just can just be a result of learning through life experience what is or isn't worth fretting over. That's a good, okay, that's a good point. This kind of goes back to what I said earlier on in this episode that sometimes what we consider spiritual growth, it really has nothing to do with spiritual growth. It can just be something, na- it's just a natural thing that develops in our life, right? It can be just a natural thing that develops in our life. I- I'm just going to be blunt. I'm going to be blunt here, so don't want to offend anybody, but I'm just going to use this because I think it's a good example, right? I think it's a good example of what this person is saying. They're, saying they're, they're using the example of fretting or worrying or anxiety, right? When you, At one point in your life, you may worry and have anxiety over a certain thing, but over years of living, you start realizing, okay, that's not really worth worrying about, and you just naturally change. It may have nothing to do with a spiritual growth. That's just natural growth and maturity. But I'll give you an, exa- I'll give you an example that may work, all right? So let's say you're 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. You're you're in that younger stage of life and you have this like overwhelming, just absolute desire for physical relations, for sexual relations, right? Maybe you're struggling with pornography. You're struggling with this, struggling with premarital sex. I mean, you're just having all of these issues. You're struggling, you're struggling, you're struggling, you're struggling, you're struggling. 
Well, then when you're 63, right, most likely there's going to be a dramatic change there. That has zero to do with you growing spiritually. That's physical changes, hormone changes. That's things changing inside your body. Now you say, everybody go, well, duh, that's obvious. I know, but it's a good example of this. That some of these issues are like, okay, is that real spiritual growth or is it just the, the natural fleshly progression of you as a person? It's easy to say, when I was 18, I was out of control, but thanks be to God, look at me now. Yeah, you're 72. I mean, I, I would think you're going to be different than when you were 18, right? I mean, I, I, think there's, I think there's a little bit of this, but some of this is just so hard to measure, like, and again, I just, I just get so bothered by it. Like, okay, spiritual growth, now you desire nothing but to obey, and you no longer desire the world. That sounds great. Once I reach, once I reach that tipping point, and now all I desire is obedience and I no longer desire the world, spiritual perfection is right around the corner. But it, it, it remains elusive. It remains the thing we cannot reach. It's the thing we cannot get. And so the more intense my desire to be obedient to him and the less attraction that the world has to offer, that is a good sign that I know I'm growing in my relationship to him. Well, number 10, we know that we're growing in our relationship to him when we are eager to share with others what Christ is doing in our life. When we are eager to share with others what Christ is doing in our life. You see, if I'm really growing in my relationship to him, I want to talk about it at a drop of a hat. I'm ready to talk about it. And if a believer can be... Again, we're right back to, to people's natural personality. Some people's natural personality, they want to tell everyone everything. They want to share everything. You can't give them, not you're just, sometimes you're looking at them, I don't really want to know all of this. Why are you telling me all of this? And you're like, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And some people more just private and, and to themselves. Does that mean... Wait, wait, wait. So the one who wants to share everything may have nothing to do with their spirituality. You see how measuring some of these things can be very problematic. Now, yes, as a Christian, we should want to share. We should want to share the gospel. I don't think I have to necessarily share what God is doing in my life, supposedly, but I do need to share the gospel. That's what I need to share questioned about what's going on in their Christian life, and they, they don't have something that's current. Don't tell me, well, I got saved back down about 42 years ago, and I've been just, just trusting the Lord all these years. Anything happened since then? Not much. Someone just put, uh, what Christ is doing in my life. No, I would rather tell them what Christ has done for me on the cross. Absolutely. I, no, I don't think they, they thought maybe that's being nitpicky. No, I, 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 I completely agree. I, I think that, I, I mean, yeah, because I mean, because here's what happens. If I start telling them what God is supposedly doing in my life, what happens when tomorrow what God was supposedly doing in my life, I'm doing the ab exact opposite of what I'm, what God was supposedly doing in my life. God has done this in my life, and now I no longer have this problem. I'm no longer bitter, and then the next minute that I'm, I'm, I'm right falling on my face. No, I would rather tell them what God has done for me. 
right? He has saved me. He has given me his imputed righteousness. He is keeping me. Like, like that's, that's what we need to proclaim because what we, what we have a tendency to do when we, when we tell people what God is supposedly doing in our lives, we really become the center of the story and God just becomes secondary to it. But, but yeah. All right, let's continue. Well, then there's something wrong. You see, I don't mean you've got to look for a miracle and have some miracle. You've got to say, well, God worked this miracle yesterday and this one yesterday. No. But my friend, if you and I are growing in the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship to him, something fresh is going on all the time. Something's going to be going on that you and I had to talk about. And if you're growing, you want to share what Christ is doing in your life with other people. Well, number 11, we know that we're growing in our relationship to him when we are experiencing an increasing awareness of his presence. When we are experiencing Oh my goodness. Okay. I, I, I'm saying, oh my goodness, not because of the point he's making. I'm saying, oh my goodness, because it's becoming insane to me that every podcast series that I'm working on, it, they're all, it, they're all coming. Like I'm trying to separate these balls of yarn into something manageable. But when we start reviewing this, everything keeps coming back together into this just giant ball of yarn. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to keep it all straight. So we have a we have a current series that we're working on on practicing the presence of God where we're hearing the art uh, we're reading an article that's telling us supposedly how we hinder the presence of God right and so we we've been talking about that now here we are in this this becoming a, a, a mini series on spiritual growth and what do we run right back into well how do you know you're growing spiritually you'll become more and more aware of the presence of God what does that even mean what does that even look like? I don't even know what that means. It's such a, it's one of those, it's Christian knees. Christians just adopt this language that sometimes I don't even know if they know what it means. I, I feel the presence of God. And now, now, now you talk about becoming subjective. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. What, what does that mean? What does it even look like? And, and, and oh, okay, let's see what, let's see how he defines feeling or becoming aware of God's presence. Uh, so if I grow spiritually, then all of a sudden I can go, dun, 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 he's present. I feel him. I feel him. Do you feel him? Right? Like, do you get a, do you get a better radar detector? Like, I don't understand what, what happens here. ...and increasing awareness of his presence. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, while we think in terms of his being in heaven, he made this so clear. He says, I am abiding in you and you're abiding in me. You and I are indwelt with the very presence of Christ through the ministry and the presence of the Holy Spirit who, who abides in us. Jesus said, I'm in you through him. You see, one of the ways we can know that we're growing in him is that we're becoming more and more aware. Now watch this. We're becoming more and more aware, not just when you're praying, not just when you're reading the Bible, not just when you're at church, but on your job, among your friends, when you're alone, when you're traveling, no matter what's going on, you are becoming more and more aware that you're under the umbrella of Christ, standing upon the rock of Christ, surrounded by the walls of Christ, immersed in Him, baptized in Him, filled with Him, overflowing with Him. Christ is everywhere in your life. And so ask yourself this question. What has to go on in your life to make you aware of Christ? Do you get up in the morning thinking about him before you get out of bed? You go to bed at night thinking about him? 
You go to sleep thinking about him. You say, well, you can't think about Jesus all the time. Yes, you can. You say, how can I do my work and think about him? Because, listen, while you may not be on a conscious level always thinking Jesus, 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 on a subconscious level just beneath the consciousness of what you happen to be doing at that moment is this awesome spiritual awareness of his presence. He's just there. Well, I also know that I'm growing in my relationship. I don't even know what any of that means. I don't even know what any of that means. At a subconscious level, I'm, I'm aware of his presence. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna look up something here because I'm, I, am, I am truly perplexed by this one. I am truly perplexed by this one. All right, hang on. Here we go. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up something here. All right, subconscious. Subconscious, concerning the part of the mind of which one is not fully aware. Right? So, in my subconscious, I'm aware of his presence, but I'm not aware of my subconscious. But the subconscious is, I'm not aware of it, but it's supposed to be influencing my actions and my feelings. So, I guess at a subconscious level, Christ is present in me. And so now he's affecting my feelings and my actions, even though I'm not aware of my subconscious. I, I, I don't know exactly how this plays itself out. I don't know exactly how this works. This becomes very, once again, becomes subjective. So I guess it's not even a feeling. It's just, I got to make sure Christ is present, present in my subconscious. And this, this gets back to some of the questions we asked exactly. How do we understand the makeup of man, right? So, so he's, he's not, he's not, he's not in my, he's, he indwells me. And this, this goes back to the whole discussion about the presence of God thing that confuses me. He indwells me, right? He's there. So first he's omnipresent. He's present everywhere at all times. Secondly, he indwells me. So he's present in an indwelling way. But then there's a third level of presence where I'm aware of it. So like, so, so he's there, fact, but now the key is I have to reach some level where I am aware of it. I feel it. I sense it. And if I feel it and sense it, then it's supposed to have some dramatic impact on my Christian life. It's, it's really like, I, 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 I don't quite understand how this is supposed to work. Relationship with him. Listen to this. We are growing in our relationship with Christ when we jealously guard our private time of prayer and Bible reading. When we jealously guard our private time. <laughs> you know, before this is over, let me, <laughs> this is ba- basically, this is what's turning to it. Cause this is like number 11, number 12. I don't know how many he's going to have number 13. Basically this is, I'm going to summarize it and people are going to say I'm being unfair, but this is basically what it's turning into. How do you know you growing spiritually? You're pretty close to perfect. Okay. How do you know you're growing spiritually? I mean, you only desire to obey. You don't desire the world. You, you, you feel his presence. You, you're more, you confess your sins. You, you understand how sinfulness is. You, you guard and that your time with God's word. You desire God's word. I mean, you just, you go through all of this. You praise him. You worship him. I mean, basically, how do you know you're growing spiritually? You're just about, I don't know, a half a mile away from perfection. 
That that's basically what it's turning into. So when the, when this is when this sermon is supposedly over, the only thing I think anyone's going to do is like, well, clearly I'm not growing spiritually. Clearly I never accomplish any of this. Clearly I'm I'm falling short. So maybe I'm not even saved. This literally is just going to lead to total dis, to despair because no one's going to pull off all of these things. No one's even going to come close to pulling off all of these things. Time of prayer and Bible reading. Our devotional life, it has a priority. I know I'm growing in my relationship to Him when I jealously guard the time I spend in His Word. When I want to read the Scriptures, I want to know what He has to say. I want to be convicted of sin. I want to become aware of failures. I want to be aware of how He works and how He operates in His ways. When I'm feasting upon the Word of God. And you see, when people say, well, uh, well, I read the Bible once in a while, but I just don't understand it. My friend, if you stop reading it because you don't understand it, then you are not growing in your spiritual life. And I can tell you, you're backslidden. You say, you're judging me. No, the Word of God is. This is the Word of God. He says, he says desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Friend, you absolutely cannot grow in your relationship to Christ with a closed Bible. It doesn't work. It doesn't make any difference if you got 20 degrees from 40 different seminaries. It wouldn't make any difference. We grow in our relationship with Him as we open this book and as we begin to feast upon the Word. Because this is, these are God's personal letters written to you and to me in these epistles. So what, what's, what's the requirement? How much time do I have to read it? How much time do I have to study it? Well, how much study versus reading? Should there be more study or more reading? Because now, th- th- because this literally is becoming the standard in which you know if you're growing spiritually, and if you don't do this, you're going backwards. What, what does it What does it look like? Because if this is the standard, then we need we. Ha- I mean, I you I am not being ridiculous here. I'm I'm trying to be as honest as I can here with this. We would literally have to be able to define exactly how much time is required in God's Word. It would, it, we, we have to, it, there has to be some objective standard. Because if you say you desire it, but it never manifests itself into actual action, then question the desire would obviously be immediately thrown out as not being real. So if the desire leads to action and the action is what demonstrates that you're growing, how much of, how much time, how much is required for anything to actually transpire itself in any real or meaningful way? How do we grow? Desire the sincere milk of the Word. Now, I want you to think about something, and think about this carefully. If you have no real desire to read the Bible, if you have no real strong desire to understand it, if you have no real strong desire to follow it, mark this one down. You are not growing in your relationship to Christ. Friend, I don't care how many Sunday school classes you teach or what you do and how much you give. If you do not have a desire for the Word of God, a desire to know the ways of God, and getting in the Word, then you're not growing in your spiritual life. And you're not stagnant. You're drifting backwards, away from the things of God. He says, listen to this, the entrance of thy Word giveth light. Light into what? Light into the ways and the mind and the heart of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm going to develop a relationship with somebody, I've got to know them. You cannot develop an intimate relationship with anybody whom you don't know. 
And that relationship deepens and is strengthened as we know and understand the other person and are open and transparent to that person ourselves. That's what builds relationships. Well, number 13 and the last one. We know that we're growing in our relationship to Christ when we prefer to spend more time with Him above all others. That is, does that mean that I don't want, or we don't want companionship with someone else? No. doesn't mean that we want to be recluses. But it means that our desire to know Him, to fellowship with Him, to be with Him, that our desire for Him exceeds our desire for all other human beings. That is no excuse for not serving God. It is no excuse for not being a friend. Because you see, think about this. The more in love I am with Him, and the more time I spend with Him, here's what happens. The more, listen to this, the more valuable I become to every single person I meet, and the more valuable I become to every one of all of my friends. Because you see, the more time we spend with Him, the more like Him we become, and the more like Him we become, the more valuable we become to His purpose for our life. Well, that's a pretty good long list, and rather demanding, but the truth is... Yeah, yeah, uh, rather demanding, rather impossible. They we're basically right back to, hey, if you're growing spiritually, you're going to love Him with all your heart, mind. Basically, what He's saying, you're going to love Him with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You're going to be holy as he is holy. You're going, you're going to desire godliness. You're not going to want unrighteousness. You're going to spend all of your time with him. You're going to desire the word. I mean, basically, you're going to be almost perfect. So basically, it's like if you're going, if you're going spiritually, you have to do this, do this, do this, do this. Law, 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 law. And the end of law is woe is me. I don't do any of these things. Clearly, I'm not growing. Clearly, I'm not spiritual. Maybe I'm not even saved. This just leads to total despair. But guess what? Everyone will sit there in that church and say, amen, 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 and go home and clearly demonstrate they don't desire God above everything else, continue in their same mode of operation of not reading, not studying the word of God. Now, all of those, all of the, they're going to be doing the opposite of all of those things. What we need, we probably, I should have been writing them down. We really really need a list of all 13 of those things. We need a list of all 13 of those things just to really, to. if you want to go back and review all of these and write down all 13 things that he said, you really, you should make that list. If anyone makes that list, email it to me, newsif at yahoo.com. But I want you to just really look at that list and really just ask yourself, is, is this even possible? And, and clearly you're going to, you're going to find yourself where it's impossible. And if it's impossible, how many of these 13, like, do you only have to do these part of the ways? Like, do you have to, like, how do you do this to even, like, once again, how do you measure spiritual growth? This leads right back to the same question. How do you measure spiritual growth? I do believe some of these things are very much connected with it. I just don't know how you measure it because how much of these things do I have to do? If I get six out of 13, am I doing okay? And then how do I do on these six? Do I do, do I, do I have to be like at an 80% on the, on six of these things? Because none of them are you going to do a hundred percent. You're clearly not going to do all 13 of these. And even if you pull off doing some of them, it's never going to be perfect. If I'm really going to grow in him, those things are going to be true in my life. Now, I want to say again, that list does not mean that everybody should live up to my list. I want you to get that down. But I can say this, 
I don't think there's anything on there that's unbiblical, nor wrong, nor would not be to your advantage to make that a part of yours. Hey, hey, you don't have to follow my list, but just know my list is biblical. (laughs) Hey, you don't have to follow my list, but my list comes from the Bible. So if you disregard it, you're disregarding Bible. So I, yeah, okay. And I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to take that list and get by yourself and get on your knees with an open Bible, whatever scripture you want to turn to, maybe this one. And just say, now, Lord, I want the Holy Spirit to enable me to be absolutely honest about this list. You have a pencil or pen with you. And you put a check by the ones that you think are true of your life and a cross mark by the ones that are not. It doesn't mean, now listen to it doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that you're less than. It doesn't mean that you're not growing if all of these things are not true. Because now I'm going to say this again. Everybody. See, see, this becomes, oh, man. This becomes so convoluted. He's already said, dogmatically asserted, that if you do not desire the word, you're not growing, you're going backwards. So if I put an X on that one, then he himself has already said that I'm not growing. Now he's saying, no, no, it doesn't mean that you're not growing. Now he's trying to back it back down. This is what happens all the time in these sermons where you get the list. You get, here's the test to prove that you're saved. Here's the test to prove that you're spiritually growing. It, it, it's always this weird convoluted thing. Hey, when they're preaching it, on one hand, it's like, you have to do this. If you're not, you're possibly not saved. If you don't do this, you're not growing. If you don't do this, you're going back in your spiritual life. And then somewhere, always in the sermons, it's like, but, however, you're not going to do this perfectly. But, you know, you're not, you're, well, <laughs> then how do I judge it? God is not in the same place in their spiritual growth. God is not working in the same way with everybody at the same time. So now we're right back to putting it on God, right? Now we're putting it back on God. Hey, God, hey, hey, you're not everyone's, not everyone's in the same place spiritually. Okay, well then how do you judge them, right? So when you say that they're not in the same place spiritually, you mean some people are not growing? And then you say, well, God is not working in the same way in everyone's life. If God is not working in the same way in everyone's life, then the flaw, the fault of the, the lack of spiritual growth is the fault of God, if God is the one who causes it, is God, if God is the one who produces it, then the lack of it is not my fault, it's God's fault. You can't have it both ways. This list is merely a suggestion. This list is a starter list for you. You can add what you want to add. But I challenge you to get on your face. Yeah, you can, (laughs) he didn't say you could take anything away because his list is biblical, but you can add more. Yeah, that's the last thing you need to do. Let's add more things to demonstrate. Oh, look, you know what this list proves is that none of us are spiritual, that we're all carnal, that we're all fleshly, and that our only hope is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's basically law, 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 law. Now, again, I, the only problem I'm struggling with is I do believe, I do believe the Bible clearly speaks of growth as a new, as a, as a newborn babe desired the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I do believe the scriptures refer to things like spiritual growth. I do believe it exists. How to measure it, 
how to understand how it happens leads to a convoluted mess of subjectivity and confused theology. And ask God to show you how many of these things are going on in your life. You may come up and say, well, Lord, hallelujah, I'm doing better than I thought I was. Well, praise God. Spend some time thanking him. Or you may come up and say, Lord, I don't believe, I I just don't believe I could be so insensitive to you that, that so much of this is not even happening in my life. Or you may conclude, Lord. So I'll make sure, make sure I understand, make sure I understand this. If it's happening, thank God, because God is the one who's doing it. If it's not happening, Lord, it's it's on me. So if it's happening, it's all God. And if it's not happening, it's all me. So God gets the credit and I get the blame. Okay. Okay. I, 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 sometimes entering into the world of Christian logic is a dangerous, weird trip that I'm sometimes like, what in the world are you talking about? God is all powerful. He indwells you. He gives you the power. But if, if it, if, and then, so therefore any victory in your life, it's God, but any failure in your life, it's all you. Well, wait a minute. I thought God was all powerful and he, he's doing this. Yeah, but you could, you could say no. Well, why wouldn't God overcome my no so that it would all be yes. And therefore we would all be godly and all be holy and all be perfect and all be without sin, right? Wouldn't that make the most sense? I'm a long ways from where I ought to be, but God, I commit myself that my priority in life is to grow in my understanding of who you are and to fulfill your ultimate purpose, which is to be conformed to your likeness. I can tell you this, you take that list, you begin to let God work those things in your life, and I'm here to tell you, you're going to grow in your intimate relationship to Him. God is going to conform you to His likeness. He's going to work things in your life. And listen, you may, I want to warn you, you may have more trials, more heartaches, more burdens, more things you don't want, but boy, look at the end result. Because it's those things that polish us, sand us, and sift us, and prune us that make us like Him. So the ultimate question is this. Do I want to be like the Master? Then I need to measure how I'm doing every once in a while, and I need to correct those things that are inadequacies. How is your spiritual life developing? Can you plainly see evidence of growth in the 13 areas mentioned in Dr. Stanley's message? If not, work through that list, asking God to enable you to incorporate whatever changes are necessary to make you more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Of course, change doesn't happen overnight, but your spiritual growth can be stimulated by using the free resources on our website, intouch.org. And please don't help ask him to enable you, right? So, so he's going to enable you to do it. Well, if he's going to enable you to do it, then if his, his enabling give you the ability to do it perfectly, when you say, well, no, well, if he won't give me the ability to do it perfectly, is he enabling me to do it 50%, 60%? These are the same questions we come up with over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the only reason we're talking about this all again, like in some ways, I feel like I'm being so repetitive because we've talked about this in so many series, but I have to drive this home very much so 
because this is the time of year where these kinds of messages will become abundant. Spiritual growth. How did you do in 2022? What are you going to do in 2023? And it's always this weird convoluted mess of God will enable you. He'll give you the power, but you can't do it perfectly. But you're still going to sin. I mean, so then what is the enabling? So God only enables, but if I don't succeed, then it's my fault. It's not God's fault. So does God simply enable or is he one giving you the power of the strength? Is he the one doing it? Like, how does it work? All right, we're going to have to stop there. I don't have any very touching mood music to end anything I say at the end. It's just going to be being say me saying that that's the end. I, I need to get some of that soft music so that I can say something rather profound at the end and then play it out and everybody be like, oh, that was beautiful. That was awesome. But I, I don't have anything beautiful or awesome to say other than this whole subject drives me absolutely crazy because Christians play this. It's, again, it's a, it's it's, it's bait and switch, right? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I think I called it switch and bait earlier, but bait and switch. Here's here's the bait, right? There you go. There you go. Come on. Look, God's going to give you the power. God's going to do this. God's going to do this. And then you're like, okay, I'll take that. Boom. And then it's switched. And you're like, well, the reality is, the reality is you can't be perfect. The reality is you can still sin. The reality is you will still sin. The reality is you won't be perfect. The reality is you're going to fall short of everything. But I mean, but, but, but God gives you the power. He gives you the power. He gives you the ability. He's, he's doing all of this stuff. What? There you go. If you see sermons or articles about spiritual growth, ending out 2022, going into 2023, please send them to me. I would love to review or see what they have to say in this subject. And I wish I had better answers. I do believe as a Christian, we want to pursue God. I do believe that we want to grow in our Christian life. I 100% do believe that. Measuring it is subjective at best. And I do know this though. God, an eternity past, chose those whom he would save. And this is very important. Those whom he will save, he will conform to the image of his son that has been predetermined that is a that is a part of god's sovereign plan but being conformed to his image will not occur until glorification that is what's guaranteed what it plays out in my life will never be conformity to his image in any way, shape, or form and in a meaningful way because in any one area where I'm like, see, I'm being conformed to his image, there's going to be 70 other areas where I'm not being conformed to his image. And if I'm guilty of one point of the law, I'm guilty of all of it. So I'm always in, some, I'm always in a perpetual state of disobedience and I'm always in a perpetual state of not being conformed to his image in a sense and uh, in any meaningful way. You can say, well, the conforming is taking place now. It may be, but it's messy. It's imperfect and it's broken and you never truly see it. But God guaranteed that those whom he predestined, he would call and he would justify and he would glorify. And that glorification is the ultimate being conformed to his image. All right. You can give me your thoughts on everything that we talked about. We spent one hour and 26 minutes dealing with this. 
So there's plenty there for you to grab onto. I would challenge you to go back through that and get his 13 things. Look at that list and just be honest with the list and, and say, according to this list, who is growing spiritually? And I think your answer will be absolutely no one. All right, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going to go find food, and we'll be back later with some more, hopefully, interesting theological discussions. We, 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 we need to do some work on the Bible study exercise. We, got it. We, we will do the next episode today at some point on practicing or what, what hinders the presence of God, which now fits with this perfectly. And uh, we'll just see where else the day leads. All right, thanks for listening. God bless.